Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. And I want to give another hand. Breno and Devin did an incredible job starting this series. And O'Don was so jealous that he was not the one to get to preach this. <laughs> but he laid it out for us, and he set the vision. And just like he said, um, this is something we have been experiencing um, even before this series started, uh, revival in this church. And I don't think it's any coincidence we were talking about it. 20 years ago in January, this was the church that was supposed to close down. This was the church, even when I was there, uh, those doors were going to close. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this is the church where revival is starting. This is the church where God is stirring hearts and lives. And we're going to look at Gideon, just like the past couple weeks, and how God stirred his heart, how God used him to change a nation, just like I believe he's using this church to change this nation. So turn with me to Judges 6, if you're not there already. And I'm going to do a quick Cliff Notes version of this story. Cliff Notes got me through high school, and so I want to help you guys out. Uh, um, so first, Gideon was found in a wine press, um, threshing wheat. So separating the seeds from the chaff, and it, that was done with wind. Wind would carry off the chaff. He was doing it in a wine press, which is in a valley, in a hole, you're not going to get it done there because of fear of the Midianites. Midianites are who God gave Israel over to for the past seven years to um, the destruction. They took their harvest, they took their livestock, they took everything. And so for the past seven years, this fear has led Gideon to be in the wine press, afraid of um, the Midianites finding not only his livelihood, but finding him. And so in that, we find Gideon being called a mighty warrior where he was in probably his most fearful state. He didn't look like a warrior. But through that personal encounter with the angel of the Lord, Jesus, Gideon became uh, what Breno said in, his in the first start of this series, was as soon as our faith becomes personal, it becomes powerful. And that's what Gideon experienced in a personal encounter with Jesus. And then Gideon brought us to, or Devin brought us to Gideon's sacrifice to the Lord, his test to see, is this really Jesus speaking to me? And Gideon experienced on a pile of rocks his huge sacrifice that he brought, engulfed in flames, and he knew at that moment he was face to face with Jesus, with the angel of the Lord. And through that, Gideon knew even in his doubts, he wanted to test to make sure who it really was. He gave his sacrifice. See, the Midianites had taken so much of their livestock, of their harvest, and yet Gideon still sacrificed a large sacrifice to the Lord. See, we live in a Canaanite world, and we have some house cleaning. We have some sacrifices to make in our own lives if we're going to be champions of revival. Being a champion of revival, week three, means responding with faith and saying yes to God's call. Faith is the miraculous ability to respond to God's call even when we have doubts and fears. And Gideon has a lot of those. And we give Gideon a hard time for not having enough faith. And in my life, I think I've been in the same boat. But his mustard seed of faith 
of genuine faith that responds to God's call is what God used to save the entire nation of Israel. Judges chapter 6, 33. It says, Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Just like the past seven years, they came once again to take the harvest and the livestock. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. He's, and he sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, to Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. It's amazing that Gideon gets to blow this trumpet. After seven years of fear, Gideon gets to blow the trumpet. The one in the wine press, afraid of them, afraid of even to harvest to where they could find him. Gideon blows the trumpet. And I think it's interesting, revival starting here, the church that was closing its doors. I don't think it's a coincidence. See, Gideon blows the trumpet, and I think he gets a little respect because of what God called him to do. See, after he gave his sacrifice, God called him to go and destroy the Asherah poles, to destroy his father's altar to Baal. And he did this at night because he was so afraid of the town killing him. See, this is who they worshipped. These were their gods that they added on to Jesus. And he was so afraid, but he obeyed. He destroyed the altars. He made a rightful altar to the Lord, and he wasn't killed. And what's also cool is I actually just read this reading over my notes this morning is that when Gideon blows the trumpet, the town where he destroyed all those altars where he was afraid of what people would say of them killing them, that was the very town, that's the first one listed that comes to follow Gideon when he blows the trumpet. It's interesting who we're so afraid of to lay down our altars, who we're so afraid of what people will think, of what people will do, if we, if we confess what we've done if we laid down our addictions, or if we left this friend group, this relationship. We can be so afraid, but those people might be the very ones God's calling you to lead. See, Gideon doesn't call to hide. He doesn't call to run. He calls to arms. Gideon has become a leader. Through Gideon's faith, not his strength, Gideon has become a leader. And he calls to action 32,000 men. Not only that town that he thought was going to kill him, but 32,000 men from the towns all around come to follow Gideon. But Gideon has doubts. Gideon has doubts. See, it says in verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Now let's just like go back to what Gideon's experienced thus far. First, he met an angel. I would be pretty blown away by that. I think that would change my life. If I saw Jesus face to face, 
If I saw my sacrifice on a pile of rocks engulfed in flames, if I heard God's instruction to destroy the altars and build a new one and his promise that I wouldn't be killed and I wasn't, and he was even filled with the Holy Spirit, which gave him some strength to call arms when the, when the enemy reappeared. See, all those things, you'd seem like he has full confidence in God. But those seem to wear off. Gideon has doubts. See, he, he lays a fleece as a sign to say, Lord, if you... Don, you want to take that? If you will do just as you have spoken, if you will do just as you have spoken, then let this be wet and let the ground be dry. Gideon squeezes a bowl full of water from this fleece. Yet again, another sign that he gets. Gideon's fleece was not done out of strength with a standing army behind him, as if he had confidence in his ability to accomplish what God called him to do. It was requested out of weakness, fear, and the inability to do anything with his strength and power. And church, I know there's not a single person here in this room that has not had moments of doubts and fears. You've seen what God can do, but yet you still do not have the confidence in your ability and your strength to accomplish what God has put in front of you. Church, we can hide in the stronghold of this building and worry about how bad things are. We can call out to God for a change in the world, expecting to sit in our wine press until it's all over. We can pray, God, please handle this and make it better. We fail to realize that God has called us to live in this time and place to make a difference in this time, in this church, in this community. God has already sent his messengers. He's already given us our call, our command of what to do. And it's not our strength that he's looking for. See, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we get our call. Then Jesus said to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, to the very end of the age. I don't think it's any coincidence this sermon series comes in the middle of our budget, in the middle of our huge gym coming up, of our huge projects, the things going on in this church. It's no coincidence that the vision God has given us is bigger than what this church can fund. It's no coincidence. And I think it's in these big callings, in these life decisions that we all tend to ask and expect confirmation of like, this is a big step. I expect at least a confirmation, a clear sign that I've made that says, yes, this is what I should do and I don't have to go to my backup plan. I want something tangible I can hold. But I wonder if we should ask signs from God. If we should lay out our fleece. Deuteronomy 6.16 says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
and asking God to give a sign is kind of like a test. God, if you want me to take this job, if you want me to forgive this person, let them call me. Lord, if you want me to do this or that, give me a sign. Is it a problem with Gideon's belief? See, by personal experience, I think he knows that God exists. I think he knows he's there. But his faith in God seems immature. He has secondhand faith. He says, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. If you will, as you have promised. See, Gideon's doubts aren't done. Because then he says in verse 39, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. He knows who God is. He knows what he's asking. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Let it be dry on the fleece only and let all the ground be dew. God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and all the ground there was dew. Why didn't God just pick a more cooperative person at this point? I wonder that of like, there's got to be a blind guy in town that would follow him or a cripple that would just say yes when God puts something in front of them. There's got to be somebody else. Got to be somebody else. But it's interesting that the Lord knew Gideon's faith and he knew his strength. He knew what he was calling him to was way beyond his ability See, Gideon was from the weakest family in Manasseh. And not only that, he was the weakest in that family. I don't think there was a weaker person in Israel he could have found to blow the trumpet. And I don't think that was by coincidence. See, Gideon still needs more assurance. But church, how is our faith? Are we mature enough to read the promises of the Bible, and to understand that God does not lie or forget what he said. When God sins, says our sins are separated from the east and from the west, do we believe him? If we need to ask God for proof of the things he has already told us, our faith is immature also. If we fear death, life, our calling, then our faith is immature. If we fail to follow the direction from Jesus to go into the world and make disciples, our faith is immature. If we ignore the signs already presented and prefer to hide away from the world in the church, our faith is immature. In fact, our faith is not really faith if it does not trust God to keep his promises. If it, it is not really faith if we embrace projects that are safe and that we can handle all the details. Faith is not faith unless there is some action that requires us to trust God for the outcome. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not faith unless there is some action that requires us to trust God for the outcome. See, faith is the miraculous ability to respond to God's call on us even when we have doubts and fears because they will come. Genuine faith is a response to God's call. Gideon had doubts, and Gideon had faith. Many will take the story of Gideon and decide it's okay to set out a fleece. 
And if it is okay, how should we respond when God answers? How many hoops are acceptable to get clarity from God? There are all kind of choices that we want to make proper decisions about. And there's things related to how God has called us in his kingdom that we want confirmation about. For instance, as a church, as FFM, our shared call, what are we supposed to do in the next weeks and months and years? There's so much we could do. With this budget we have, there's so many directions we could go, so many people we could impact, so many places we could go. How can we ask God to help us be sure? Because let's be clear, if we let our existing abilities and resources be our guide, then we don't need any faith or encouragement from God at all. If we let our existing abilities and resources be our guide, then we don't need any faith at all. It seems right to get some kind of confirmation. And don't get me wrong, asking the Lord to lead you is essential. Asking the Lord to lead us as a church is essential. But the more we try to get an exact response from God, the more exact the hoop or the trick, the more our faith ends and our manipulation and testing of God begins. So if we can't use a box, what is left? It's really simple, actually. How about depending on the Holy Spirit? See, it's the Holy Spirit that clothed Gideon to blow the trumpet. And I think it's interesting. It's not the Holy Spirit that blew it. And it says the Holy Spirit clothed Gideon, and then Gideon blew the trumpet. See, the Lord knew what he was calling Gideon to. He knew what he was calling him to do, and he clothed him to give him the strength to go. He clothed him and led him and gave him direction of this is what I'm calling you to do. And Gideon went. God was already directing Gideon. Even before Gideon had his encounter, even before Gideon started forming all of his questions, the Lord knew exactly what he was calling Gideon to do. The weakest man in Manasseh, he knew exactly who he was calling him to be. Gideon takes action. See, God calls us to have this mustard seed of faith. And I didn't bring it in because you probably couldn't see it anyway. It's like that big. And it looks like my fingers are together, but they're not. It's a very small seed. He, he calls us for our faith. He just wants the little bit of genuine faith for us to respond when he calls us. He's not asking for our strength. See, I believe the clearest way of finding our direction is when we as our church open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and share what the Spirit reveals to us as individuals. Then we have to take a step, just like Gideon. We have to move by faith in some direction and watch for God to confirm our intention and our movement. The Lord doesn't play games with us. The Lord didn't play games with Gideon. He knew the call he had on his life, and he knew the faith and the strength that Gideon had. So God never condemned Gideon for his doubts. He never condemned Gideon for his doubts. 
He was gracious to give him the strength and reassurance he needed to accomplish what God called him to do. See, God knew he didn't have the strength. He knew the minute that he told Gideon exactly what he wanted to do, Gideon was like, no thank you, and walk out the door. And I think that's how you know, part of how you know God's calling you is if it's bigger than you. If it's bigger than your strength, that's how you know this takes faith. See, I don't know the outcome. I don't know how in the world I'm going to accomplish that. How is this church that was supposed to close its doors building a gym for this community? How is it building a gym? How is revival starting here? We don't have to put out a fleece to remind our Heavenly Father that His well-loved and intimately known children need His perfect confirmation in their walk of faith. God does not abandon us if our faith won't carry us through. It's a, say it again. God does not abandon us if our faith won't carry us through. It's important to realize our faith is something that makes the improbable and the impossible happen by simply trusting in God. By simply trusting in God. Gideon's faith was what God was looking for, not his strength. And let me show you proof. Let me finish the story for you. See, Gideon, the last we see him, he blows the trumpet, assembles 32,000 men. Some of those, the very ones that he thought were going to kill him. He assembles them, and the Lord says, just in case you think this is going to be by your strength, tell the ones who are afraid to go home. 22,000 men go home. What's left is 10,000. God's not done. Just in case you thought this was going to be by your strength, just in case Israel would take pride in the fact that they defeated the Midianites, take those 10,000 men and take them to the watering hole. And he said, the ones that lap like dogs, those are your men. And see, lapping like dogs, there's some um, disagreement in what the interpretation is, but dogs in the Bible are never referenced as wonderful, cuddly house pets that are, are in society for the ones that can afford it. No, they were with the lowly. They didn't have homes. They took the scraps. Dogs were not referenced as high in society. It would be offensive for an Israelite to be referenced with a dog. So I, I see these three, 300 men that lap like dogs as the 300 weakest from the 10,000 that are left. And Gideon has to be like, what are you doing? 300 against the Midianites who are covering a valley like locusts. 300 are left. And you know what they have in common? Gideon was the weakest in Manasseh, and those 300 men were the weakest from those 32,000 men. But what they had in common was their faith. Their weakness and their faith. Those men chose to stay. They knew there were three, only 300 of them left as well, and they didn't leave. What they had in common was their weakness and their faith. Worship team, you can come up. It was their faith that made the improbable and the impossible happen by simply trusting in God. See, what went on to happen is with a trumpet in their hand and a pitcher, they went down and defeated the Midianites and scattered them. 
The Lord confused them. They sent the army away after seven years of devastation with a trumpet and a pitcher in their hand that they broke and yelled as they went. The Lord delivered Israel with 300 weak men with a trumpet in their hand to announce their coming. It was their faith, even in their weakness, even in their doubts, even in their fears, they chose to take a step of faith and believe God for what they could not see and what they could not accomplish. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's, it's your faith that God is looking for. It is not your strength. This might be your first time hearing about Jesus. He just wants your belief and your faith in him. That he will accomplish the healing you need in your life. That he will give you purpose. That he will give you direction. He's changing family trees this morning. He's changing generations. He's changing lives. He is the answer to what you're looking for. See, Gideon's faith in those 300 men, their faith, I think it's interesting because Hebrews 11 is like the hall of fame of faith. It's where a lot of these great men like Moses, Abraham, Abraham had many sons, you know, that guy's in Hebrews 11. The faith that took down the walls of Jericho when Israel was in the desert, so that faith faith is listed in Hebrews 11. When Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry land and the Egyptians were swallowed, that faith is in Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11.32 says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Time would fail me to tell of Gideon. The weakest man in Manasseh. He wasn't a warrior, but God called him a warrior because he knew what he was calling him to do. He knew Gideon's faith. And Gideon had a very small mustard seed of faith. He had his doubts. He had his fears. He needed reassurance again and again, but God never condemned him because he knew what he was calling him to. He was looking for his genuine faith to respond. Being a champion of revival is not drawing up a master plan. It's responding to God's call with yes. He has the plan. And all we need is our obedience within our mustard seed of faith, our genuine faith. See, that genuine faith is far more important to God than the strength of our faith. God has a call for this church. You are a part of this call. And God has a call for you individually. Do we, FFM, have the genuine faith for what is happening? God is moving. We are in the midst of of revival. We are in the midst of it. God is moving now. He has given this church the call to steward this revival, and it's time to come. Lay everything down on your way. We need you now. If you have not had an encounter with Jesus, your loving Father, come. Pray for Jesus to reveal himself to you. He is the answer to every broken heart, every soul, who, needs, who feels like they have lost their value, every person who doesn't see a way out of their addiction, we need you.
come. If you have an encounter with Jesus and he has called you to sacrifice some idols in your life, to extend forgiveness to someone who hurt you, to let go of a relationship, to no longer put sports before him, it's time to come. We need you. If you've encountered Jesus and laid down those idols in your life and allowed God into your heart, then come. God has a calling on your life that is bigger than your strength, that is bigger than your faith. We need you. Give him your mustard, feet of, mustard seed of faith to say yes to what he puts before you. We are all a work in progress, following Jesus together. We all have doubts. We all have fears. We all have weakness. What God's calling from us is our mustard seed of faith to say yes. This church is a champion of revival. This church, God is blowing the trumpet this morning. Don's blowing the trumpet this morning. God is on the move and he is about to transform the nation. That's the call. God is here now. God is moving now. He needs your faith. Come. Your weakness may be the precise reason why God chooses to use us in the first place. Your weakness. God's power is made manifest in our weakness. God is always more concerned with faithful obedience than eloquence or strength. When we embrace our weakness, our actions become testimonies of God's power. If you have a family that needs healing, Jesus is here to give you a testimony of his power. If your heart is broken this morning, God is here to give you a testimony of his healing power. If he has called you to something that you do not have the strength to do, you're about to be a testimony of his strength because he's about to work through you to accomplish the very thing he has spoken. More than you can imagine. So this morning as the worship team plays, I want you to come, respond. If God is moving on your heart this morning, if you need Jesus, if he has put something in front of you to say yes to, and you need help, we are here. As what we as a church are here to do is go together where God calls us. Come.